Well, it's a good thing I've only got a 45-minute sermon this morning. <laughs> Isn't church just starting now? You know, the time change? It's 10 o'clock. We're, um, we're back in Luke chapter 4, 31 to 37, and we're kind of going backwards from where we were last week because of the uh, super cold week we had three weeks ago when we missed the service. And so, Pastor Richard preached uh, the, the passage ahead of this one. We're going back because this is important. Chapter 4, 31 to 37. And if um, someone finds it in the... What is it, Dwayne? 1599. I'm going to pray first. Lord Jesus, would you please um, give us the ears to hear your word and give us grace to understand what this word means for us. In your name we pray. Amen. Then he, Jesus, went down to Capernaum, a town in Galilee, and on the Sabbath, it's like our Sunday, he taught the people. They were amazed at his teaching because his words had authority. In the synagogue, it's like a church, there was a man possessed by a demon, an impure spirit. He cried out at the top of his voice, Go away! What do you want with us, Jesus of Nazareth? Have you come to destroy us? I know who you are, the Holy One of God. Be quiet. Jesus said sternly, Come out of him. Then the demon threw the man down before them all and came out without injuring him. All the people were amazed and said to each other, What words these are! With authority and power he gives orders to impure spirits and they come out. And the news about him spread throughout the surrounding area. Word of God. Last week, um, Pastor Gina, well, not this past week, but the the week before, uh, Pastor Gina and I were in North Carolina for five days uh, for some continuing education. And what we were doing was studying the healing and deliverance ministry of Jesus. So what we just read. One of our teachers was a 58-year-old pastor from Seattle James was his name, and um, James pastors a church in one of the seediest, darkest neighborhoods in Seattle. And he made this observation while he was teaching us. He said, you know, every week I find myself in conversation with just a ton of different people. Uh, some, some of them are neighbors um, of the church. Some of them are homeless folks. They have a lot more homelessness there because the weather's a little better. And so it's a better place to go or migrate if you're homeless. But it's also just a gathering spot for um, broken and addicts. I mean, we, our neighborhood struggles. This neighborhood's like on, ours on steroids. And so he's, he's telling us about all these 
conversations that he's having with people uh, week in and week out. And he's saying, you know what? Most people are friendly most of the time. They come by the church and they're chatty and they're wanting to um, build relationship and they're offering to help out and um, they're almost all friendly until I start talking about Jesus. And then when I start talking about Jesus, he said something happens. It's like, it's like this group of people, if you put them all together, just kind of divides right up the middle. And he said the first half... They, they start like wanting to listen and to know more about this Jesus. And, and it's like their hearts start opening up. You know, I'm talking about God's love and they're, they're opening like a flower before that love. And there's, they're, they're wanting to, to study scripture. They want to know more about Jesus. But the second half of the people, he said, they get, um, agitated, angry, snarly. Some of them get downright mean. And the moment I start talking about Jesus, it's like they, uh, their interest just kind of disappears and away they go. And as I was listening to him tell us that, I thought about these words that we read a little earlier in Luke where Jesus' parents, Mary and Joseph, bring Jesus into the temple and what does Simeon say about him? He says, This child is destined to cause the rising and the falling of many. In other words, he's going to divide. He's going to divide. And so... A couple of weeks ago, when Pastor Gina preached on the opening of Jesus' ministry at Nazareth, what did we see? Jesus stood up and he read the scroll from the prophet Isaiah and he said, The Spirit of God is on me. He's anointed me to proclaim good news and to bind up broken heart and to set the captives free. That's why he sent me. And what happened? They marveled at him and then they doubted. And then their doubt turned worse to the point of grumbling, and then they rejected him. So, so they saw that authority that he claimed to have, but then they rejected him. So much so that they actually drove him out to the edge of a cliff and tried to push him off. And Luke says, Jesus um, walked right through the crowd and went on his way. And then our text starts. He went down to Capernaum. Capernaum's 38 miles away, so there's a big, big distance here. And on the Sabbath, he begins to teach the people. And what Luke is doing here is he's setting up a contrast, and he's saying he's he's inviting readers to wonder how will the people in Capernaum respond to Jesus? He just showed us how Nazareth responded. How's Capernaum going to respond? And the question right away is, how are you going to respond to Jesus? How am I going to respond to Jesus? How am I going to respond to the authority? that he comes in, that he teaches in, that he delivers in. And so, Luke answers that question by saying, they were amazed at his teaching because his words had authority. I want to start by asking, what does that mean? That Jesus' words had authority. If a general in the U.S. Army tells a private, hey, uh, private, go pass a message on to Colonel so-and-so, that private is going to do it on the double, right? He's going he's to take the message and deliver it because he knows that if he doesn't deliver that message, he's going to get severely disciplined. Why? Because the general has authority. He has a position, and that position gives him authority to give orders. We call that kind of authority, positional authority. Jesus has a position. 
He's the Son of God. But guess what? Nobody in Capernaum knows that. When Jesus is speaking to him, to them, they don't know that he's the Son of God. The private listening to the general knows that he's the general, but the people in Capernaum don't know who Jesus is. So, they're not marveling at his authority because he's got rank or because he's got a badge that says something about his authority. They're in awe because Jesus' words have weight. Jesus' words, when he speaks them, it's like the words are coming in and they're opening up their hearts. And so these people are used, what they're used to is hearing rabbis, the teachers of the day, open up the scripture and they would read the passage and then they would begin to do what they'd spent many years preparing to do and that is to share the opinions of other men. They'd learn theology and they would just kind of say, Rabbi so-and-so says, and Rabbi so-and-so says, and teacher so-and-so says, and they would just open up one after the other. But Jesus is entirely different. And these folks can tell, they can feel that Jesus has authority because Jesus speaks to them as somebody who knows God intimately. It's like they're listening to God through Jesus. He's speaking to them as somebody who has first-hand, personal, and living knowledge of God. And so it's like through Jesus, there's fresh water flowing. All of a sudden, they're not listening to the opinions of so-and-so and and -and so-and-so. They're listening to the voice of God. And even if they couldn't know that, they don't know He's the Son of God, or they couldn't articulate that, their hearts can sense that. Their hearts are like, we're listening to something true and profound and important. Their hearts can tell that Jesus has authority because of His relationship with God. In fact, through Jesus... The power and the presence of the living God is so strong in that synagogue that it provokes a reaction from the kingdom of Satan. That's why this man cries out. He doesn't cry out because Joe Blow is there teaching on nothing and making no influence. He cries out because the power and the presence of the living God in Jesus are bringing light. He's bringing the kingdom of God. He's bringing light. And so there's a reaction from the kingdom of darkness. And so he cries out, Go away! What do you want with us, Jesus of Nazareth? Have you come to destroy us? I know who you are, the Holy One of God. Whenever Jesus is present with power to lead people into the love of God and to set them free, there is always resistance. There is always a reaction from the kingdom of darkness. That's right here. Folks, that's right here. We are a church that is becoming a praying church. A church that is depending not on our own strength, but on the power of God's Spirit in response to our prayers to change hearts and to change lives. And God is beginning to move more and more in power to draw people out of bondage and into his love. And so, we should expect, we should look for resistance. Luke says, there was a man possessed by a demon, an impure spirit. 
And the word for possessed here is echo. Echo is the Greek word, and it literally means to have a hold of or to be joined to. So you remember a couple weeks ago I said there's four different Greek words to describe a process of being afflicted or oppressed by demons. One of them means totally possessed. This would be next to that. This guy is not totally and completely, but he's in bondage. He's, he's um, been being held on to. A spirit has joined itself to this man. And so here he is, caught in the grips of an unclean or unholy spirit, so much that that spirit is speaking through him. It's a man's voice, but the words of an impure spirit. Let me say that again. It's a man's voice, it's his voice, but the words of an impure spirit. And here's the interesting question that I want us to wonder about. How many people in the synagogue realize who is speaking through that man? How many people hear that man yell out and see what Jesus sees? So picture yourself sitting in the synagogue, in the church on that day. Uh, so, so you've grown, if you're sitting there, you've grown up in this town, grown up in this church, and so you know this man that's speaking. We're going to call him Daniel, okay? And you know Daniel to be uh, an agitated man, often restless, not very joyful. He's lashed out in anger before, and so this isn't new. But when he speaks out on this day and he says, What do you want with us, Jesus of Nazareth? Who's the us that he's talking about? Is he talking about you and I and everybody else sitting in the synagogue? Who's the us? Because remember, this voice is coming from a man. It's Daniel's voice and it's Daniel speaking. At least it seems to be that way, doesn't it? But Jesus, our Lord and our role model for what it looks like to share God's love, and to do so in the power and with the gifts of the Holy Spirit. Remember he said the Spirit's on me, he's anointed me. Sharing God's love, bringing good news in the power with the gifts of the Holy Spirit. Jesus exercises the gift of the discerning or discernment of spirits. So immediately, Jesus discerns that the words coming from Daniel are demonically inspired. He knows that. Right away. Now pause. How many times have you or I listened to people speak words that are not true? Words that are hateful or accusatory or critical and condemning, judgmental, words that would push away God's love that would keep a person or people from embracing Jesus. How many times have we listened to words like that? And how often have we discerned the source of those words? Jesus says elsewhere, you shall know a tree by its fruit. 
If there's an apple growing, it's an apple tree. If there's an orange growing, it's an orange tree. And so from the fruit of this man's words, Jesus can tell that this man, Daniel, is caught in the grip of an evil spirit. And so Jesus moves in the same authority that he's just been teaching with, and with that authority, he simply says, be quiet, come out of him. Now notice that Jesus doesn't argue with the demon. You notice that? The demon challenged and he asked questions, but Jesus doesn't argue and um, Jesus doesn't answer the questions. Why? Two reasons. One, we don't argue with liars. They speak their father's native language. Satan is a liar. So we don't argue with liars. Two, Jesus understood his authority over them. He didn't need to argue with them. He didn't need to answer them. He simply said, get out. He mercifully evicted. And when he says these words, get out of him, he's also saying, what he's saying is this. He's saying, separate yourself from this man. Come apart from his mind. You've, you've entrenched yourself in this man's mind. You've wrapped yourself around his heart. Separate. Disjoin. Come apart from. Stop tormenting. Detach. And release. Get out. You don't belong here. That's what Jesus is saying. It's an act of recreation. Of renewal. And what's so beautiful about this is that Jesus, who has just been named as the Holy One, he does not stop to ask Daniel, why are you so bound up and unholy? And how did an evil spirit get a hold of you? You notice he doesn't condemn Daniel for the mess that he's in. So Jesus doesn't come to him and say, why are you so oppressed? He doesn't talk to him about the evil that is present and is at work in him and through him. He simply, mercifully delivers him from evil. He cleans him out. And he does all of that before he calls Daniel to follow him in faith and obedience. Now, where did I get that from? Because that's not in the text that he calls, calls him to follow him. Uh, because that's what Jesus does all the way through the rest of the Gospels. This is the way we see Jesus work. First, Jesus creates the context in which the Holy Spirit will work to bring a person into relationship with himself, with Jesus. So that whether that's Jesus going into a synagogue to, to teach a group of people about God's love, or whether that's Jesus meeting a broken and empty woman by a well in Samaria and engaging her in a conversation, or whether that's Jesus going down by a pool in Bethesda and healing a man. Everywhere Jesus goes, he sets up a context by engaging people, establishing relationship with the love of God the Father, And then what happens is that he and the Holy Spirit work together to bring healing to that person. So in 
in one case, it's physical healing. Blind Bartimaeus outside of Jericho. What do you want me to do for you? And he heals him. He gives him new eyesight. In another case, the woman by the well, it's spiritual and emotional healing. This woman has had five husbands. Jesus brings her into relationship with God the Father and he also heals her of everything that her heart's incurred through all of those relationships. In another case, it is um, like this man in the synagogue, simply deliverance. He just moves to separate and to bring out that which isn't holy and which would be blocking the person from knowing and living in the love of God. In every case, Jesus, working with the Holy Spirit, engages a person, brings them into relationship, and then works to heal them. And he follows that up by inviting and commanding the people to follow him in faith and obedience. Now, that sounds a little backwards. Sounds a little backwards. Because the way that I think that we're used to doing it the way that many of us have experienced um, a call to faith is that we often um, begin by inviting or calling people to follow Jesus in faith and obedience. So come follow Jesus and then see him change you. And that's not a bad thing to do. But I just want us to notice that that's not the pattern of the Gospels. And I want to ask the question this morning, what if most people that we know or many people that we know are actually more in need of being delivered from evil first? What if they're more in need of being healed? What if they're more in need of having an encounter, an experience with the powerful, healing love of God before they're told to follow Jesus in faith and obedience? What if that? You know, on Friday, uh, two days ago, was in Grace Space, and a group of five young people came in. And immediately, um, Vic was shocked that they were there. He told me that when he and Val had lived on Indiana, that these five young people were the ones that Val would invite over to practice Wicca and witchcraft, and that um, they'd been involved in very dark things, and that he had been praying for them ever since to see the light of Jesus Christ, to know the love of God. Well, I had the privilege of talking to them one by one for about an hour. Um, Each one of them is deeply hurt, is confused, is oppressed, and in bondage to Satan. They didn't want to hear about Christianity. Several of them have been hurt by the church. But you know what? They were very open to being loved. They were very open to being loved. One of them let me pray for her. Two of them allowed me to apologize for hurtful experiences that they'd had in the church. And two of them allowed me to bless them. I said, the experiences that you've had, they functioned like a curse in your life. And so... As I apologize to you, would you let me bless you? Could I just bless you? Because our words, life and death is in the power of the tongue, says Scripture. And so they said yes. And so I said to them, I bless you to know the love of a Father God who created you with purpose, 
who did not intend for you to be hurt the way you've been hurt. And I bless you to know the way that he poured out that love through his son Jesus. And I bless you to live inside that love. And I'm trusting that the Holy Spirit will use this um, experience of love and of blessing to bear fruit in each of them. Because each one of them needs an experience with the powerful, healing, delivering love of God. Sometimes, sometimes, God calls people to follow Jesus. And then he brings deliverance. And he brings healing. And he brings miraculous displays of his power and his love. But often, the pattern in the Gospels is first, God demonstrating that love, that power, and that authority, and then calling a person to follow Jesus. So what do we hear this morning? This morning we hear that Jesus is the same. Jesus is the same yesterday, today, and tomorrow. Jesus wants to continue to encounter people to deliver people. He wants to continue to encounter them with his powerful, healing love through us. Through us. Jesus gives us authority. Jesus gives us authority so that like him, we can work with the Holy Spirit to set others free, to see others come into God's love, and then to call them to follow him in faith and obedience. Well, that changes everything. Can I see myself in this position in the story, in Jesus' position? Some of us, when we hear that, think, oh, I can't see myself do that. I mean, I don't know enough. I'm not good enough. I'm too timid. I'm too weak. I have too much sin. I I wouldn't know what to do or to say. And the whispers of the enemy can go on and on. Remember this. When we step out as Jesus' representative... It's not our power, it's not our authority, and it's not our love. It's not our love that we're transmitting. It's not our power or our authority that we're moving in. It's Jesus' power, Jesus' authority, and Jesus' love that we're moving in. What's required of us? Faith! Faith enough to be a vessel of Jesus' love and of Jesus' power. You know how many people are out there that need to be delivered from evil? Too many. many. That's right. Too many. What's required of us? Faith. Faith to say, Lord, I believe that you still move the way you used to move. And Lord, even though I don't know how that works or I don't know all about it, I'm willing to learn. And God has a lot of grace for us to learn. Why? Because we're His dearly loved children. And so... He's going to teach us. And we're going to learn to cooperate with His Holy Spirit the same way Jesus did as we follow Jesus through the rest of the Gospel of Luke. 
But what we need to hear to conclude this morning is this. We need to hear what the townspeople in Capernaum end with. What words are these? With authority and power, he gives orders to evil spirits and they come out and the news about him spread through the surrounding area. And I say this, let the news about Jesus Christ spread to the west side. Let the news about Jesus spread that Jesus, not you, not me, not anyone here, Jesus has authority to drive out evil spirits, to cleanse, to heal, to forgive, to renew, to restore. There is power in the name of Jesus Christ to break every chain. And let us be a group of people in the weakness of our flesh who point the way to Jesus Christ, over and over and over, who simply say, come with me to Jesus. Come and meet my Lord Jesus. Come, let him cleanse, let him heal, let him deliver, let him renew. Amen? Amen. All right. Oh. (laughs) Let's, Let's do this. Oh. It's just water. Let's do this. Let's, um, why don't you stand and, um, and I'm going to bless you now with faith and then we'll sing as a closing song, we'll sing there's power in the name of Jesus to break every chain. So worship team, why don't you come up? Brothers and sisters, in the Lord Jesus Christ, be blessed to cooperate with the Lord Jesus in the process of leading others to Him, of seeing Him heal, deliver, save, fill, renew. Be blessed. With faith, it's the Lord Jesus who will do this. Jesus bless you and keep you in the week to come.